genre. We are in the zone. We are in the genre of love. It is that month of love. Yes. Supposedly, it Supposedly. is. Supposedly. I don't know. What do you think, people? Is it the month of love? You know, or commercial proprietary things to get you to buy things and waste your money on a lot of unnecessary things? Or, so, or, or the fact that it's February, it's Black History Month, and... That is important. It is, but I, you know, I heard I was watching uh, a commentary uh, interview the other day, and it was uh, the 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 soundbite from it that really kind of got me was is they were asking asking a black man what he thought of Black History Month, and he he said he didn't like it. Why? Because for the entire month of February, that's all you're bombarded with, and then as soon as it's March first, it's not a single reference, and I, it's. The, the amount of historical figures that have had that have made an impact on society, not just whether you're not not just the black community, but just society in general, is is vast enough that it it almost seems a disservice to only give them credit for a month instead of hey. Yeah, I, I can I can see that, but then again, there's a lot of reasons why that it was given the month when historical information or facts have been skewed certain ways throughout history. So um, that month was given for a certain reason, but now with the way society is moving and growing and diversifying, it it almost comes into mute, but is also still important. Yeah. Because uh, you also have months for a lot of other different things as well. But still, a lot of important figures in the world, a lot of important figures in our own history, and it's good to make them relevant. Outside of that, still a month of love for you people. While I break your ears and my random singing. But hey, it is a good night. A great night. Great engravy night on Scuba and the Rye, episode 140. All right, 140, 140. So, yep, we got a lot of great things going on tonight. A lot of fun discussions, just randomness in our adventures. Uh, movie to talk about. Does it have a twist or not? I'll let you know. Uh, recap it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. If it didn't have a twist in it, it wouldn't have been what made him famous. Yeah, but, you know, lately a lot of his more his new like renaissance you can say he's not doing a lot of twists per se and being more intimate with the storytelling but good or bad well, I mean, we'll that could out. also probably go hand in hand with the fact that that's what he was known for yes uh sixth sense uh unbreakable glass um, uh split all of the all of those films had i mean i don't know about yeah. glass but definitely split yeah. uh um yeah. Sixth Sense and Signs, Unbreakable, the si Signs, Village. I mean, I got to say, though, the twist in Village really felt stupid. <laughs> it is, and, it you know, it becomes a crutch, but, you know, we'll get into a little bit of that. But, hey, got a lot of things on deck. So, what's been happening over there, Scoo? Seems like you're focused and intent on I, I I am, and I'm not. Um. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Keeping it real, so rundown for the show we're going to do some recaps some recommendations got some news articles um interesting discussion on live service game we'll see what we think about that and a few odds and ends but hey before we jump into it um 
like to give a shout out and thanks to Sirenscape. Are we playing music? I can't even tell. I don't yes, even we know. are. I see. You see the little the little tracker thingy over oh, there. It's okay. going. It is yeah. going. You are gonna hear it. Yes. It is in the background. It so, is those things. So thank you to Sirenscape for all the fun and intuitive ways we get to live out our fantasies in taverns and the woods with eerie noises, depending on the holiday or days or depending on what we feel like. So yes, sir. So thank you to them. But hey. Scuba is in deep with making things right. Let's dive deep into my own thoughts. I don't know if you want to do that, people, but we're going to do it anyway. So, what have I been up to? I don't know. Other than lots of schoolwork. Lots of reading, because everybody knows. Doing the school thing. So, once a, once a week, I'm in class, virtually. You know, telecommute to ODU, because I don't feel like driving there and paying that parking fee. So... Tuesday nights, sitting at home with my laptop open, and then lots of reading in between. And then this past weekend, went ahead and uh, took my parents out for a pre-Valentine's Day dinner, or not lunch more than a dinner, because this coming weekend is Super Bowl weekend, and that's all that matters. Except for the love football. But we went to Cooper's Hawk, the restaurant over there by Lynn Haven. It's a really nice restaurant. It's actually a restaurant winery. So when you walk in the restaurant, it's the winery portion and the restaurant's like in the back to the side, but it's really nice. So yeah, pretty much it. Then when broke, going to a store closure, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond recently announced two closures of stores around the nation. One of those is in the Greenbrier area of our Hampton Roads. So went in there, found some good stuff for cheap, and yeah, all going bro. But yeah, that's all I got on deck. Thing over there, Scuba, you're still in deep with the typey typey. Oh, typey typey. Well, it's like one the person coming on, it's like their first comment is, I quit. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Can't do that yet, people. Can't do that yet. Give it at least three more hours. <laughs> three more hours. It's like, wait, what? Can't do that. Oh, well, you can do that. A lot of people do that. Well, it, it, it's it's one of those, it's like, what's the context? Is it because they were just having a conversation about Crunchyroll and how a new 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 team member had never heard of Crunchyroll? Or, yeah. and, you know, you know, when you're, some of those reactions when you're, when, when you're into certain geek, uh, yeah. geek things or nerd the, things. Oh, how can you not know about this place? But then you get in there's small circles for a lot of small things, so it's understandable. But yeah, it's that, and then it's it's. It, I imagine she was probably probably being probably just being facetious and and whatnot. Uh, it was just it. It's kind of weird what it's like. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's like something. It's like you know, there's some things you just don't make a joke about. And yeah. If you do, you have to make sure you're following the context of the conversation when they make said said comment that taken out of context would be. Yeah, it could be, you know, you say it at the wrong place at the wrong time, that somebody's not in the right move, and then they'll take it as uh, gospel, and then out the door you go with your pink slip. I mean, come on, that's, uh, I mean, there are whole YouTube channels devoted to this. Yes, YouTube, TikToks, <laughs> any kind of video app on there, they'll capture it and put it on display for millions and millions of people out there. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's have something that makes no sense. And or make you laugh. If you take it out of context, it means one thing, but when you put it back in the original conversation, it means something completely. Yep. But so you can say a word, it means one thing, it could mean the other, but hey, it is what's up here, people. It is, it is, it is. And yeah. it's great. And it, it it's great, it's wonderful, it's all those things. But uh 
Yeah. So, and, and they're all like, dude, go do your podcast and we'll talk later. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I mean, you know, I love my team. My team is great. You have a great team. I do have a great team. I'm really happy about that. I agree. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, you, you went over the show stuff. I don't really have a whole lot. It's just been work. Um, I went and installed the closet. I did some carpentry work over the weekend. Um, uh, one of one of my adopted kids, I, I would say, is like, this is one of my son's friends, but, you know, he kind of thinks of us as another set of parents or whatever. So it's like, you know, I'll be nice and whatnot. So well, it's OK to be nice sometimes. Went out on Saturday and, and installed the closet for him because um, his, his girlfriend's moving in with him. And it's like, oh, OK, so, yeah, they got to revamp the closet. And, he first came to me and he was like, what if I put this wall in front of this hallway and made this whole corner space a closet? Okay, well, I mean, it's going to take, it's going to require this and this and this. And uh, what kind of door are you thinking? It's like, I'd like to do a pocket door. So, all right, there's another $500 added to the bill. Hmm. All right, let me come yeah. over and take some measurements and take a look. So I go over there and I take a look. Now, keep in mind, this is an old house. This is like early 1900s. It has a floating stairwell. Uh, which, if you're not familiar with what that is, a floating stairwell was done in the early 1900s and whatnot. And it, it's basically the stairs are set, are, are, are built in a way that if a woman is walking up and down the stairs, the, the, the rise and run of the step is not so dramatic that it causes the hem of her dress to rise above her ankles. So that kind of gives you an idea of the culture at the time of this particular building uh, style. It's possible, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it is, I've seen- Makes you go, hmm. I, I have seen older houses where it's like, instead of, the st instead of the stairs being like kind of a gradual up, it's like it's damn near vertical and you're like, you're, you're like high, knee, high stepping just to go up each stair. And then you have others where it's like this kind of gradual and it turns and you know, Anyways, so I get over there, I take a look, and it's like, it, it, what your what your idea was was going to be way too expensive and really, <laughs> really not worth it. You're not going to get any value out of it. Don't want to I mean, do it. Don't do it. If you're you're homeowner and you want to look at renovating or improving a space, you got to look at the fact that okay, it's got to bring value to it. To. I mean, unless you just want to, unless you just one of those people who can. Uh, throw money out a window just for giggles. Throw it. You have to think it's like, okay, if I do this, it's going to involve this amount of work and this much time. But what's going to be the payoff for doing it? What's what's my return on investment? And I told him, I was like, your return on investment for closing this in is not worth it. The, the, the way it's built, the way it's structured, it's not worth it. However, we could do a built-in closet organizer to give you a little bit more uh closet rod space to hang more clothes and stuff like that so we could do that and you know build a little area for some shelving and things like that make it a little eat little better than just uh, uh, a hole in the wall <laughs> with a single closet rod that is bowing in the middle <laughs> there like, you go that's always a good way to do it well i mean yeah and that's what it was I, I built this out for them i set this up it took me about five hours uh start to finish and that's cut taking raw material, cutting it into shape, installing it, making sure everything works right, and doing a couple of design tweaks on the fly, and then get it up and head out, because I had to be back home for some work things. And like, all right, cool. 
And the nice thing is my dad was there and he, he was working on another section, uh, which I told him he did not have to do, but he decided to do it anyway. So it was great. Um, so it's like, I just got to go back and do some finish, finish, punch out stuff, you know, talk and paint, uh, do some more drywall stuff, but I'll do that at a later. In time, in time. In time, in time. All things, all things in time. Yes, sir. Uh, but yeah, um, did you remove your link in the notes? What link? For knock at the cabin. No, it's right there. Oh, I just must not have gotten the latest on this. It's right there. Staring right at it. Staring right at it. I, I must be. Must be. Something's weird. Anyways, let's uh, get into that. Let's say we get into our review and kind of go from there. Yeah, mystery disappearing, but when you're talking about this movie, mysteries ensue with this kind of director. Really? Yeah. I guess in a way. Oh, well. In some way. So here we are, we're talking about Knock at the Cabin, the latest uh, film from M. Night Shyamalan, and with uh, Dave Bautista uh, being one of, being apparently from early commentary as an absolute breakout performance in this in this film. So, right, what? I'm not a big M. Night Shyamalan fan ever since he made that abysmal atrocity that we will not name. Yeah, it's one of my, it's one of the, if you like me going on movie rants about, it's one of the, one of three films I will go raging on ranting on. And the other two are usually Transformers films. But um, speaking of this uh, latest film, to go into this movie, you have to preface the fact of who the director is. And like you said, it's M. Night Shyamalan. That's my name for him, but it's M. Night Shyamalan. And knowing who the director is, you know what he likes to do, which Kuba mentioned earlier, he likes the ideas of twists. But after his dismal departure from those late, those films, when he started coming back, he started doing more intimate films. Some had twists, but not all of them. But he started to actually focus back on his craft with his direction. And this movie is one of those films that he does that. So. Knock at a cabin is centralizes on a on a family. Andrew and Eric, they're uh, two dads who have adopted a daughter by the name of Wynn, and they go on this getaway to this cabin. And long story short, um, Dave Batista's character shows up. His name is Leonard, and he shows up with three other people, takes the family hostage in the cabin, and says that they are an important piece of this certain puzzle. And what they have to do is choose one of the one of the people in their family to kill, or the world's going to end. That is the premise, and that's what the film focuses on. So, when you're watching this film, what makes this film such a great and uh, uh, a throttle of an experience is the way that Shyamalan directs the film. It's very claustrophobic. It's very much focused on. Uh, thematic presence, red herrings, and psychological mo motifs, because um, everything is either dialogue-driven or very visual quips. So you're focusing on this family, uh, trying to understand the, if these people are actually telling the truth or are they psychopaths. And through the whole movie, at least through like two-thirds of the film, you're on the edge of your seat, and after certain sequences and certain situations, um, you can't really figure out if they're telling the truth or is everything just a ploy because they're psychopaths. And that's what makes this film very thrilling because it's a guessing game and you really don't know which way is it going to go. Is the world going to end or are they just pretty much taken hostage by psychopaths? Um, and like you mentioned, 
This is a character-driven film, and Dave Bautista as Leonard is a standout in his role. He's very visceral. He's very, uh, um, he's very much a very fragile character, and just like him and the rest of the group that is with him, you have this kind of like sympathetic kind of feeling for what they have to do to threaten this family to make a choice between killing one of the people that they love and dear to save the people of the world. And is it worth sacrificing your own people in your own group for people you don't really know or even for people you don't really uh, care for? And what's great about this film is that they, uh, M. Night Shyamalan uses flashbacks to create this uh, connection to the family to make them make you feel for them trying to decide whether to kill one of their own or let the world die. Yeah. So, um, what, another thing about this film is the, is that religious allegories in the backdrop of party sacrifice. The whole thematic presence is like, what would you do in this situation? Is it worth sacrificing one of your own without knowing all the pieces of the puzzle or you taking that risk and surviving what may or may not happen? So, Overall, this film is a good roller coaster ride. Um, it would have been a great experience if it wasn't for a lot of um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Heavy, like in your face kind of exposition. Not in a way that it feels like it's being force fed, but the way they keep winking and nodding at certain things that that reference the biblical like allegories. Like they keep saying uh, four. There's four people. There's this and that and it kind of takes away from like the tension of what might or might not happen and there's certain sequences that are just way too convenient and a lot of plot holes that you just have to accept for the fact of what may or may not happen and i'm just dancing around that because it it what happens at the end you might think you might know what's going to happen but it actually makes a lot of sense when everything comes full circle with the choices that are made so, but Overall, I think this is one of the better M. Night Shyamhammer films um, in, in the vein of like Split, um, The Visit, and his earlier works. Like he actually is very intimate and you get to see his techni technique of directing because it's just the way he uses camera angles, lighting, uh, bringing you in that claustrophobic uh, tension between the group and the family. So 3.5 out of 5. I think it's a fun time at the theater. Alrighty. Pretty good. Yep. And yeah, you might, like I said, you might know or might think you know what's going to happen in the end, but it's best that you don't read ahead or read the book. Because, <laughs> oh, there's a book for this. Yeah, it's based off a book, and the book has a different ending. He, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, uh, M. Night Shyamalan mentioned in an interview that he wanted to change up the ending to give it more of a more intense experience, but a more hopeful ending but not in a complete like ever after way like there's still like sadness in the end but still a slight hope in a way mm. okay but but it's good he does a good job of of playing red herrings in a way that makes you guess i mean that. that's what really kind of made some of his early work yeah. a lot of fun to watch yeah. like uh the sixth sense unbreakable um the villa uh, i don't know about the village but signs i i think signs is where yeah. things started to kind of <laughs> yeah, but he like he doesn't do like a twist. It's more of just the, an, an intense roller coaster of 
decisions and self-worth and sacrifice. Like, if you and your family are in that situation, would you sacrifice your wife or your child for what they're saying without having all the information? And then when things start happening, you can't believe everything that you're seeing because it seems way too convenient, So. Oh, yeah. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. But, you know... You well, know, he's also doing a TV. He, he's doing a series on Apple Apple TV right now, yeah, right? The, I heard it's pretty the good. Servant or something like that with uh, uh, Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah, he is, and um, um, uh, Rupert Grint is one of the characters in Rupert this movie. Rupert Grint. That's yeah, right. he's one of the characters in this movie as well. Um, so yeah, he has a pretty good wor uh, uh, role, and he does a great job in the role. I'm looking it up, trying to see. <clears throat> Servant. So you're Servant. Right. Yeah. I was close. I was close. You're right. I'm going to just check that one out. Hmm. All righty. Well, uh, that was that. So I guess we got some TV conversation. Yeah. So you catch up on episode four? I watched most of episode four. All right. Uh, my wife was watching it while we were doing some cleanup because uh, my daughter is having a party this weekend. Party! So I had to do some cleanup in the living room so that it could house uh, half a dozen uh, teenage girls. Oh, so much fun. <laughs> I can see your excitement. Well, you know what the irony is? The irony is my buddy, uh, one of my buddies is like, hey, we're playing a Star Trek game on Saturday. Uh, do you want to play? We'd have to roll up a Klingon character for you. Mm. And I'm like, hmm, go and play a Klingon character at a tabletop game or listen to a group of teenage girls uh, do a Halloween, do a do a Valentine's dough party. Oh, that's a tough call, man. That's a it's tough call. Tough. It but tough. It's Saturday, so I got other stuff to pay attention to. So <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. I haven't really played the Star Trek RPG. No, I haven't done much Star Trek stuff. That's why I was like, Watching a watching a show on Cybernation Uncensored, yeah. you know, gets that. But yeah, uh, I watched some of it. I, I like. I I still really like the way this is rolling, and I like how we're getting, we're seeing. Uh, we're, it's you're not seeing as much of the infected, but you're still dealing with the whole barrenness yeah. of the world. Now that the the, the everything's happened. Yeah. I like this episode because it's it's a, it's a, it's another it, episode three. I completely love this episode. Does a good job of bringing things back down to earth in a way, but expand the world. Like you said, you don't have to rely on the dead or the infected to showcase what this world is, and it does a great job of building out the world, but also making the characters of Joel and Ellie um, more intimate. You start to see that relationship start to build, and especially how they use certain dynamics in, in the show slowly and surely to build their relationship throughout, but also indicate bigger things ahead without being wink, wink, nod, nod, by just predicating things through a wholesomeness of Here's a new area, but there's still more treacherous things beyond just infected. Yeah, and I like how they're continuing to adapt cutscenes and key moments from the game in ways that are really, really respectful yeah. of the of course material, but also great adaptations for uh, the for for this medium that they're doing it. Yeah. I, 
I was sitting there. I was sitting there, and yesterday, and then all of a sudden, there was that scene where Ellie starts reading the puns, and I was just like, "Oh my God!" They put that. There in this is too? there is one pun that I will completely keep in my back pocket, and I will not forget it because I will not use it. <laughs> oh lordy! So, but anyways, yeah, I like the show. I like the the layering. It, it this is the way I like when they they aren't just hinting at things just to be like hint. Or forced exposition they're letting the world feel organic and real and that creates this like fragility and tension because you're always on the edge of your seat and I like the dynamic on how when they do get in fights and kills they aren't trying to bludgeon you with what is there they leave it to the audience to you know uh, you know figure out or you know feel that tension and do it in their mind and by creating that horror without visually showing it i think is even more effective because then it's more terrifying because now you have to think i mean oh what is that there was a reason why alfred hitchcock is the godfather of horror yeah because it it was at the time he made his films you couldn't show that stuff and it was in black and white so we're talking chocolate syrup but it was getting you right up to that edge and you're it's like and then just cutting away and all you see is a shadow or uh uh, the camera focuses in on a part of the room while and you see what you see some of the collateral effect of whatever happened i mean that is you know really great storytelling oh yeah and it's they just uh like you said I am only familiar to the game to a point, so a lot of it is fresh to me, but like I keep saying, I'm going to keep beating the drum. This is showcasing how you adapt from a medium 1A to another medium 1B. You know, different mediums ask you to embrace and immerse in different ways, and they're finding ways to fill in those gaps as well. So I'm looking forward to the next episode. Nice. All right. Well, we, since we only had one review to talk about this week, we can move on and ha- have a have a discussion on a couple other things. Yep. And we got one in here that we were going to talk about last week, but we ran out of time. But we'll talk about it this week, and we're going to talk about live game services. Yes. So or live service games. So recently, uh, the reason this came up is because recently. A, a, a live service game that has, has had a shaky going on is Marvel's Avengers from Crystal Dynamics. That it, is it, one of those. I remember when they announced it at yeah. E3, and it, it had such great potential, but it, it had lack of enthusiasm. It, it really wasn't. I mean, it really wasn't like. I mean, it was cool, and it was and all that, but yeah. it really did not. It didn't seem like it, it, it had the impact once it released. That it had when it was announced. Yeah. So this is an article from IGN that was published in mid, uh, near the end of January, saying that support will be discontinued September 30th, and after which digital purchase will no longer be available. All solo content will continue to be playable after support ends, and multiplayer will also remain available. So. Yeah, um, I mean they had a lot of really interesting updates, um, and but there's also and the IGN article references back to a blog post on the Marvel. Avengers website yeah. um, at Crystal Di- from Crystal Dynamics and it was talking about how, okay, when, when support for this ends, if you have certain in-game currency it's going to be automatically converted into uh, other in-game items uh, and based on how much of that cur- particular currency you have but it's interesting because we, we talk about the fact that this is a game that's been 
It's been a live service for three or four years. Yeah, it's uh, it was um, 2019 uh, is when uh, it was revealed, and then it was released later in 2019, 2020, in that time. Yeah, so, so two, three years, it was, it, it, it's been a thing. They had a lot of content they dropped, and now it's just they're, they're shutting things down and moving on. And what's, for me, it's like thinking about this and then thinking about other live service communities, and how um, some of them have done really well, some of them haven't, how they've kind of evolved from the MMORPG to some of these single player experiences. I gotta, I gotta say probably one of the OG live service games has got to be StarCraft. Yep, StarCraft is definitely, and it's an RTS that's been around for a while, but it's got a great following. And the enthusiasm for the community, that's always what props up these games is that can you create something that can draw in the com gaming community and actually keep them flourishing while also producing content? Because like you said, Crystal Dynamics kept pushing out content, but there was not a lot of enthusiasm. No, so, there wasn't. And I so. think that, that tells me that you need, a specific, you need to have a mix. You need to have a developer that's willing to continue production and, uh, of, the, of the property, but you also need a community that can yeah. take on an active. Yeah. Uh, Halo community is another one of those that's very big on the... They'll take the content released from the studio as well as the studio made the, made the effort to produce content that they can, that the community can work with, yep. forge and whatnot, so they can make their own maps and continue that out. And, and like, you know, enthusiasm, you know, some of the big uh, games out there are first person shooters. So like Call of Duty Warzone uh, is a live service game. Like it, it took off and it's constantly, they're adding content and building off of it. Battlefield's a good one too, because yeah. it's got a big multiplayer yeah. compound. And compound. Another, another game that has been crossing three generations of systems is GTA V. Their online community and live service for the online component keeps on churning just because of it's a mixture of uh, great creative development from both the the, the, um, the studio and the group and people that invest in it. And then just the interest, like they constantly is drawing interest because the GTA name itself is a stamp of, you know, going to generate millions, but you keep expanding it. Yeah. Right, so. And we got we have two examples that, to talk about in terms of live service. Uh, both of these, well, a lot like Marvel, uh, had it seemed like it had a lot of promise. Unfortunately, it didn't quite deliver. Now, one of these games, it it crashed hard. It crashed super hard. The other game, it crashed hard initially, but the developer was able to turn it around and fix it and now it's pretty it, it, it's a very it's st it's still a very popular game um of course the first one we're talking about is anthem from bioware which yeah. bioware uh that's mass effect and dragon age i mean they make really solid games yep um there was a lot of criticism when mass effect andromeda dropped because it felt like the game was unfinished. It was pretty unfinished. <laughs> it felt the game was very unfinished, and Bioware said, oh, well, we're shifting all our focus on this new uh, squad-based uh, um, live game called Anthem. Yeah, and, you know, they, they were just trying to get in the market to compete with some of the other ones, like, you know, Destiny had hit the, hit the floor running pretty well, and then you got a few other ones, but, you know, when it's saturated like that, there's only so many people you can pull. 
Yeah, it's saturated like that. And the thing is, is you're trying to unseat Destiny. Destiny is a live service game that from Bungie, which yeah. I mean, we already know they had their success from the Halo community. Yeah. And they had the backing of Activision and Blizzard, which oh hey, little game called World of Warcraft. It's just been a, out just for, a little game. You know. You know. Some of you might have heard of it. And recently dropped another expansion, but you know they Which keep going. Expansion for the modern or the classic revamp? I mean, they've been around yeah. a minute. Yeah. I mean, almost uh, definitely a solid twenty years at this point, still chugging out content, and whatnot. But Anthem, it was one of those. It looked cool, but it was a squad-based game on a planet. And you had to try, and, and you had these objectives, but it was one of those, they they marketed it like really solid graphics, which Bioware is really good for that. Most of the time. However, the, the world was incomplete. World, it, it became very much a, with the, with the amount of people who retread through games like that, it became one of those, it was like, oh, hey, we've done this, like, 25 yeah. times in a week yeah it's this it is... was it was very barren it was very monotonous live service games slash even mmos you know you're going to have monotonous tasks but you got to bring a variety to it or at least a good storytelling element to it like like lord of rings online even when you have monotony it's the story and the lore that keeps you coming back well i think where anthem really fell apart was the fact that they didn't is they did they couldn't get content out fast enough for the hardcore community yeah i mean when you when when like blizzard releases a a, a expansion for world of warcraft there's a percentage of the community that will complete it in a day yeah if not less then you have a percentage of the community that will never see the end game content yeah. but they will play it anyway and yeah, it's at 80 percent yeah there's a lot of dailies and weeklies and a lot of uh, other things and tiers to certain raids so there's a lot of variety that will keep you coming back yeah and, and it's a way to do that to keep you here and anthem really didn't have that yeah, i mean they were just, it had four it was a four it was a four person squad it really was there was only but so much variety in that that's the same reason why evolve also kind of fell apart because yeah. that was that monster hunter game where you had a squad of four trying to capture a, a monster and you had a fifth player who could play the monster and it just it just didn't work out yeah and then there of course you know we're talking destiny and destiny 2 which were great squad based games yeah. and you know not to mention another game that was out there that we played a lot that's part of this group is division and division 2 so it was competing with a lot of lot of different things oh yeah there. division had a lot of replayability in fact yeah. it probably st it still has replayability yeah and they had those randomized dungeons which made it made it reason to keep going back and forth because you get different gears different levels different things yeah um but and then of course the other one is we want to we can talk about compare in terms of live service where and this is one of those where the launch was pretty bad Yes. Is the launch was absolutely horrible. However, after about a year, it now became something that was playable. Yeah. Basically. And that, yeah, and that is the Fallout 76 game. Yeah, that is that is one. I mean, definitely, it, it 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 hit for Bethesda at first. You know, it was it was, but then the community stuck with it. Like I said, it's always about the community, and then Bethesda. Uh, said okay, we made our piece, and they started turning and I think, turning. And I think and what turning. plays into this is the fact that Fallout 76 is technically the fifth game 
in the Fallout, or sixth game, sixth game in the Fallout franchise. Something like that. Because we have Fallout, we have Fallout 2, we have Fallout 3, Three. we have Fallout Vegas, Fallout uh, 4, Fallout 70. Yeah, yeah. And the reason why, and so you already had this huge community that was appreciated the Fallout world, and the fact that Fallout 76, what was ambitious about this, is this was supposed to be a MMO uh, style Fallout game with, because traditionally Fallout was a single player experience, huge RPG element, huge world, and, and all these great uh, things that are happening in the world at random for a single player experience. They decided to, hey, let's take it up a notch and make multiplayer experience. And when it launched, all it had was the multiplayer. Like the only people you interacted with in the game were other players. Yeah, it was pretty much a dead wasteland. I mean, that's, that is Fallout in itself, but it oh, was just, yeah. there was really not a lot to do. Yeah, so, so and, and here we are fast forward till now. It's like, okay, they have NPCs, they have quests, they have locations you can visit. There's the Nuka World Tour that's going on right now. Yeah. All of those are things where it's like, okay, Fallout 76 has gone from a really bad, bad experience to a relatively positive experience, and it has a, it has still has a much dedicated fan base that is continuing to play. Yeah. So right here we have two examples to where, you know, it's a risk reward. You can throw it out there, but if you're not, you know, holding up to certain standards by the community or at least have a name recognizable people aren't going to stick around Ooh, no, no. So, so yeah just saw a good conversation about live service game is there's a live service game you like or one that made you mad just let us know and there are plenty more on the horizon i mean yep there are plenty more i know ubisoft wants to build out assassin's creed and far uh, far cry into the live service game you know a lot of things um See, Far Cry, I could kind of see Assassin's Creed, not so much. Yeah, the, it's it's a it's a ambitious thing what they want to do, but I'll play the wait and see for that. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, Watchmen, uh, not Watch, Watchdogs, Watchdogs Three. That was one that was trying to be more of a live service type thing. Yeah. You see that trend where like you have a lot of games that have these elements for massive multiplayer components. Watchdog Legion, I think. Yeah, Watchdog Legion, and because uh, I think it's the third game in the franchise. Yeah. That one. Three. Yeah, and they had a great DLC with the guy from the first Watchdog game coming back, but it was kind of boring. I played it. <laughs> I mean, it has it, it, it for the IP had a unique twist, yeah. and it. it, it really did sound cool at the time first game was fun i love the second one third one was like yeah third one the third one i think it was ambitious because it in introduced uh this this multiplayer thing where you had all and you could like build a crew yeah. kind of deal it's like eh, it didn't it was, quite yeah it was fun it was just the content was very derivative and just yeah didn't try a lot to be but it, it's fun to see how some of these games are and then how some of them it's like okay how do we how, how do they go and how do they not but i think it's what we're seeing from the crystal dynamics one and some and and some of these others is the live service has to grab and build a build a community that's willing to continue on and i think uh, the successful ones are the ones that will give the community tools to kind of be in the sandbox yeah so you know you have your your war zone your fortnite your minecraft uh, your battlefields a lot of different things 
Yeah, I want to say though, I think Fortnite is more like with the PUBG and yeah. kind of the uh, and Overwatch kind of deal. It's like, eh. Man, it, it it blends. It yeah, kind of moves over that line. <laughs> I mean, that's the world. That's what we're living in now. It's a point where it's like, okay, I got a game. I thought it was one thing, but I can do these other things. So, which category can I really classify it as? Can I classify it, it as as just this or this or this? I mean, hell, there's the uh, new Hogwarts game that just dropped. Yeah. Where you can play as a, you can do the wizard thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I might pick that up. I haven't. I, yeah. I might give Jedi Fallen Order, Fallen Order a shot this weekend. I, I keep telling you. You keep telling me, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm got to do it. I got to pick a game. This is February. February is typically where I grab a game and I play the game all month. <laughs> yep, that's how you do it. Yep, yep. Alrighty. Um. So what else we got? We got some news pieces and some odds and ends. All right. What do we got on news that we haven't talked about related to live games? Uh, not related to live games. So, yep. We are introducing uh, a, a new segment, just news pieces. Uh, you know, just to talk about some things to branch out really quick. So, one thing. Uh, this is actually kind of off topic from a lot of things, but still interesting. Ford. Um, it's been in the news for a lot of other reasons, but also they are returning back to formula one racing in the 2026 season nice they haven't, uh, they haven't had a car in that in a while yeah and i thought that's just interesting and ford's involvement in f1 stretches all the way back to 1960s and um also races in between 1967 and 1985 so but yeah that's cool some 20 years on from the latest participation in 2004 so they're returning back so just to see them return back into it pretty cool so yeah Heading back into the gaming world, um, everybody knows about E3. Uh, they've had shaky stuff here and there, but um, reported from IGN is that the big three, Xbox, Nintendo, and Sony, won't be part of E3 this year. So, I can't say I'm overly surprised. I mean, Sony has their directs they do. Uh, Nintendo has their directs they do. And now Microsoft's doing is like, is there really a need to go to those places because you know they never did any of them in the convention space that e3 is in they've always done those yeah. at other locations always different locations and like you said um there's other places that is actually getting they they actually highlight even more news like gamescom in germany and tokyo game show they actually have bigger presence there so you know it's a big hit but that doesn't mean that there's nothing to do there you still got all the publishers there so yeah and the other news article, which we you were mentioning, to, we were talking a little oh, bit yeah, off. This, yeah, yeah, this is so. the late. This one's this one's the current. so uh, the creme of the crop. Everybody likes going to theaters, and one of the big theater. Oh, let me rephrase that. The top theater chain in the world is AMC's theaters, and they like to do quirky things because they have a uh, a CEO that doesn't know how to bring people back into theaters. He just thinks he's smart and people listen to him. So this is from consequence.net. Uh, AMC Theaters is going to try a new pricing structure. And what do you think that is? Basically what they're going to do is price it a little bit more for sight lines. So the good seats, they want to price more. They'll have standard seats and then those seats that are in the front, you know, the one people don't like to sit on, they make it cheap. And they're going to taste it in major location, New York, Chicago, and Kansas City. Kansas City is their home base, so that's why they're going to try it out there and hopefully roll it out at the end of the year. But one thing that is interesting in this article, and people are like, why are people going to fall for this and want to do that? Well, 
they're looks like they're trying to push people to get into their stubs a-list members because quote amc stubs a-list members will be available to reserve seats in preferred sightline section at no additional cost so if you're an amc stub a-list member none of this applies to you so, like me it won't apply so what's your thoughts on this i think this is this is probably a way to try to balance their sheet I mean, uh, I was reading an article about this earlier where it was they were talking how this is similar to uh, music venue stadium yeah. seating. Yeah, they, um, they mentioned that a little bit in this article too. Pay for the experience type of deal. It's like, I mean, you're already having a hard, I mean, yes, we've had a few great films that have brought people back to the theaters, but everything's reserved seating already. I mean, seriously. It's yeah. like I yeah, it's kind of weird. I know they're trying to find different ways to, you know, balance like you said, balance that sheet. But you know, um, there's pros and cons to it. I think, like I said, I think the big thing is is that they're trying to drive people to that membership. Uh, yeah, that's that that makes sense. I remember I was watching some excerpts from uh, Fox News's The Five, and where Judge Shapiro was just she was just like, why? I can stream but everything I would watch in a movie theater. Why would I pay $6 for a soda and now pay $20 for one seat, $10 for another seat? Wow. I would I would battle that with saying that, you know, the theater experience can be different than just sitting on your couch at home. Even though the convenience there and then a lot of us have better TVs and surround sound, but it doesn't take away from that experience. It's like saying, hey, I can watch or watch the concert at home on my TV or actually go into a live venue or a festival. Well, I think that's a generation. It's it like you're, it's just probably like those... is. You're probably right on that. Yeah, it's probably more of a generation. Like, I, I will watch everything at home too. Trust me, I have a million million streaming services i have a spreadsheet that calculates the price and be like oh buddy i need to make this sheet but you know i love that theater experience but you know me i, I yeah. love the theater yeah. but hey i i like you said they aren't trying to roll it full-blown until the end of the year so they might pull back yeah i'm thinking they, they might have some time to roll this back yeah. to, especially if they're see how it goes in their test markets um but yeah i think we're gonna head out start heading out but first we're gonna do some recommendations for tv film or whatever um, Rod, what you got for? Uh, real quick uh, recommendation. This is actually an anime that's on Crunchyroll. You were talking about Crunchyroll earlier. It's an anime that I've been watching over the years. It's called Bungo Stray Dogs, and it follows a character uh, by the name of... Let me bring it up, because I had it closed for a second. Bungo Stray Dogs. So it follows a character by the name of Atsui Nakayama, and basically what it is is that, just to wrap it up, is that there are these gifted people and he's picked to be one of, he's picked up one of the gifted people to work for this detective agency in this town so basically this town is run by gifted people they either work for detectives or they work for the mafia and it's just a rambunctious kind of storytelling of gifted people fighting each other and just fun quirky things that happen it's four seasons it's completed three it's in its fourth so if you like anime check it out nice um, the one I have is, uh, actually I was talking about this a little earlier, and that's uh, Tabletop Games. Uh, this one is a channel called Cybernation Uncensored. It was uh, founded by Rob Mulligan, who's a pretty pretty accomplished uh, game master in the cyberpunk uh, genre. He This is a network of, a network essentially that does a lot of different tabletop RPGs. The one I'm watching right now is a new Star Trek uh, tabletop RPG 
uh, brand new GM to the system, brand new players to the system. I think there's one experienced player, the rest are new. And it, it it's kind of it's kind of refreshing to watch to see kind of learning a new system. It's the two it's it's Star Trek uh, on 2D20 uh, system. Uh, uh, they're also the ones that produce the Cyberpunk uh, Red game that Sirenscape is also uh, supporting. So go check that out. Cyber Cyber Nation Uncensored, uh, YouTube, Twitch, all that different tabletop RPGs. In fact, they actually today were streaming a Last of Us inspired game, <laughs> which is basically taking the Fallout 2D20 system reskinning it is the last of us that is pretty cool uh, our friend uh, brandon perkins is the gm for that one so it should be pretty exciting to watch yeah. um but yeah definitely check that out yeah before we go i know there's at least one odd in it and i want to get to okay it. just one this so, one's burning on you this one's burning on me because it's a segment that i uh, that i introduced last year okay so last year i started to like once a month i would procure and give the listeners a fun place to visit, museums. Fun and quirky museums around the world. So three of the museums I have presented to y'all is the Human Body Museum in the Netherlands, the Cup Noodle Museum in Japan, and the Shi Museum in Canada. So today- We're going what? to the UK. We're going to the UK and we're going to learn a little bit of landmarks. So over in the UK, there is a British landmark Museum that highlights uh, the, the the fame and fortune of what it is to have a lawnmower. So they put on display a lot of different lawnmowers, but also shows uh, the first patent of a lawnmower there by Edward Beard Budding in 1830. Wow. So, and there's a lot of different uh, mowers and things that you can check it out. This is in, where is it located? It's in uh, Southport in Great Britain. So, if you want to check out lawnmowers and you're over in the UK, check out the British Lawnmower Museum. I think it would be. I would be a fun thing to check out for sure. Because, you know, you get to see the history of lawnmowers, you get to see a variety of different lawnmowers, and maybe learn how to make them pop. Yeah, so that's all, right. all I got. Alrighty, well with that, we want to thank everybody for listening to us. Uh, be sh we also give a shout out and a thank you to Sirenscape for the background musics and soundboards. Sirenscape! This is our uh, Scuba and Arai sir uh, sound set that I put together over on Sirenscape. Go check them out, sirenscape.com. Epic games need epic sounds. Uh, thank you, Rye, for hanging out. Thank you, all of you, for listening. This is Scuba, this, and that's Rye, and we're wishing you all a good night, safe weekend, and we will catch you all on our next episode. Later. Peace. You gotta click the button. Just do it. Just click the button. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Now we'll click buttons. Now we'll click this other button. Good night.